This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent, and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Hello friends, welcome to, well, not my kitchen this time, but instead the back of a London taxi. I'm on a comfort eating road trip to the home of this week's guest. It's Shirley Ballas. Shirley is, of course, the head judge on BBC One's flagship dance competition, Strictly Come Dancing. And you obviously don't get that job out of nowhere. Shirley's been a dance legend in her own right for decades. She's probably won more worldwide Latin dance titles than I've had hot dinners, to be honest. And she's trained countless other champion dancers too. But she's got her dance shoes in many pies. She's also about to bring out her first raunchy crime novel, and it is raunchy, I've read it, Murder on the Dance Floor. She's having me over to hers for the interview. Look, she invited me as if I was going to say no, and I'm half expecting her to open that front door in full-on glitzy dance costume, gorgeous fake tan, nails done, done up to the nines, because that's the only Shirley I've ever known. I cannot wait to meet the real woman behind the sequins. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Shirley Ballas, welcome to Comfort Eaton. Oh, I'm delighted to be here, Grace. <laughs> Thank you for having me in your house. You're welcome. I just feel, I feel very honored. There's 
a skeleton sitting on your bar with a wig on that keeps giving me a massive fright. What's the significance of the skeleton? Well, I won that skeleton on one of the TV shows and my mother loved him so much that she put a wig on, a cigarette in his mouth. And he sits behind the bar and that's my mother's dance partner when she's had a couple of whiskeys. <laughs> now, it is time to find out what my guest likes to eat behind closed doors. <gasps> don't tell anyone, don't tell what is Shirley Ballas, dance legend, strictly come dancing icon? What are you choosing for your snack? Is it here under the box? It's here underneath the box. Would you like me to reveal it for Please you, my reveal darling? Reveal your snack. Okay, this, my dear, is my snack. This is coffee cake with a lovely coffee icing and then walnuts on the top and then whipped cream, fresh whipped cream with a cup of coffee with two brown sugars and two dollops of coffee mate, which I first tasted when I was 16 and worked in the solicitor's office and I used to be the tea girl and that's where I was introduced to coffee mate. And now for me, if I have one cup of coffee a day with a spoon of coffee mate, it's classed as a treat. Thank you for bringing cake to comfort eating. Oh my <laughs> gosh. If you've seen some of the miserable meals that have been served, some of the weird and wonderful but disgusting things, what I have in front of me is this gorgeous, sweet smelling coffee cake. And then is that just cream? Fresh cream, darling. A little sugar in there, beaten and whipped all over it. It's always difficult a little bit when I'm running up to anything like strictly, I have to really watch what I'm eating, but that is my go-to cake. I love anything coffee. I'm not judging you because I love, is that instant coffee? That's instant oh, coffee. I love an instant coffee. Yeah. I think that we put too much. Little mellow birds, darling. Oh, little mellow birds. Mellow birds, a little bit of coffee mates and brown sugar. I couldn't be happier. Lovely piece of coffee cake with walnuts and fresh cream right sliding right. down your throat. Look, I know <laughs> that you are in training at the moment where those tiny tiny little <laughs> little tiny backless frontless spangle thongs that basically <laughs> so what i'm going to do for you is i'm going to eat this cake yes thank you because I, right now i'm juicing I, <laughs> so that you is, poor thing that is um oh my god is that lovely <laughs> oh my goodness surely <laughs> Can I not tempt you? Yes, you can. Just have one <laughs> little, just one But don't little tell anybody. Bit. Don't. Like, wait, there you go. Just mm. one little bit. <laughs> Watchers of Strictly Come Dancing, if Shirley has to wear a, a bigger dress. Once on the lips, forever <laughs> on your hips. It really is. But. As I it am is not, lovely, isn't it? As I'm not competing in this year's Strictly Come Dancing, I'm just going to have this bit here. Hang on a minute. I'm just testing that the bottom's as good as the top. Yeah, it oh. is. That is yummy. Shirley, you were born in Merseyside in 1960. You grew up on the Liso housing estate with your mum, Audrey, your older brother, David. What was life like on the Liso? We originally lived in a different place. And my mum, obviously, when she got divorced, she had to move on to that housing estate. And we suffered bullying, particularly my brother. I think because we didn't quite speak like everybody else on the housing estate. And I think my mother is very refined, you know, with her upbringing, the way she dressed us, the, you know, the, the manners she insisted, things like that. So is your 
you and your mum and your brother was your dad there? No, no, he left when uh, I was two. Mm. Um, So he went on his way, he got married four times, my mother being the first. And he had a couple of children um, later on to somebody else. And then David and I, so, but we didn't really see him a lot at all. Take me back to those days in the house, you two, you and your brother, you're very close in age. So, and your mum's raising you single-handedly. So do you and David, do you just run her ragged? What, what's it like in the house? Well, my mother had probably two or three jobs at the time. You know, she was always a proud lady. She wanted us always to be dressed. The one thing with my mother, work ethic, never lazy, schedules, organised. So therefore, my brother and I were organised. Uh, my brother was a, he was a strong character, my brother, you know, and very strict with me. Wouldn't let me hang out on street corners with my friends or, you know, had to be appropriately dressed. Yeah you know, probably with the blouse all the way up to my neck like the Virgin Mary. But uh, he would push me to be all that I could be for sure because obviously we didn't have a dad, so he took on that role when he got older as well, you know. But was money still tight even though your mum's working so hard? Oh, they didn't pay anything back then. You know, she her best job she ever had in her life that she enjoyed the most was she was a barmaid. Then she'd do some babysitting. Then she worked in Cadbury's, the chocolate factory, on cakes. And then uh, she had an opportunity to earn a couple of pounds more. So she learned how to drive a forklift truck. She passed that exam. So they put her in the warehouse, that little tiny five-foot woman of mine, my mum. And she was driving that forklift. I've got photographs of that somewhere as well. Yeah, she was quite the worker. Your mum worked at Cadbury's. So, I mean, I grew up near a biscuit factory was the misshapen Cadbury's biscuits and cakes, was that like currency? Every Friday, darling, <laughs> we got yep. the misshapen biscuits. Just Every Friday was very exciting. Which, what biscuit? I like all biscuits. That's what people won't know about me. I, I really have to be self-disciplined not to eat sweets. Otherwise, I will sit and eat sweets all day. I just love sweets. Back at that time when your mum's working in the pub and doing these different jobs, what was she cooking in the house? Well, she taught my brother and I from a young age how to cook a roast dinner. So we'd go on a Saturday to the grocery store. David would have to get all the veg and I would go to the co-op to get all the other ingredients we need. So we knew how to cut potatoes up. We knew how to get the oven ready if she was working and prepare. Every Sunday she always did two veg. You would have roasties and mashties, a lovely bovril gravy and meat and Yorkshire pud. That was every Sunday without fail because I think she'd been paid on the Friday. So big Sunday lunch. Oh, like uh, a trucker's dinner. And then as the week went on, like, was there still money? Well, to we'd go to, <laughs> we, we could have beans on toast by the end of the week. We had egg and chips, which I loved, didn't know any different. Uh, fish fingers and chips, something yeah. like that as the money went on. But we always had a meal. Mm. You know, she always made sure that we had a good meal. But Sundays was the biggest deal. And then on a Saturday, it would all be Sayers, the cake shop. And her and I would share a tart, a strawberry tart, and my brother and a Claire. And if the ice cream man came and there was extra, we got an ice cream as well. What about school dinners? I love school dinners because obviously we didn't have a dad and we go to the school dinners. And I had figured out where where in the queue to stand. So I got the most dinners. I, I loved it, you know. Hang on. Where did you know to stand to get more food? What is this magic trick? I figured out if you went first, you only got a little bit of food because obviously they've got the whole school to feed. So I figured out where in the queue I could stand. So when they had excess food, I mean, it was a little bit of a gamble, you know, because if they've run out of a roastie, you're not going to get a roastie. But sometimes I get two roasties. 
And sometimes you get extra pudding. Nobody likes semolina. Nobody likes rice pudding. I did. So I got everybody else's semolina. I was a good eater. I like to eat. But I'm very grateful for my school dinners. And then when it got to the holidays, you qualified for free. And my brother was so embarrassed because the kids used to stand at the front gate and shout, you haven't got a dad. You're on the welfare you know, and I, as I'd come out, my response was, but you've had a cheese sandwich and I've had a cooked meal, but it affected my brother. He, we were not the same type of character. He was embarrassed and I couldn't care less. So I just wanted to get my cooked meal because, you know, my mum was busy or out to work and. But you, even at that age, you just didn't care. I didn't. I didn't. That's fascinating. Like I, there was no anxiety. I think stopping you eating. My mum said I was just built a little bit differently. You know, David was very sensitive and I know when we didn't have anywhere to live at the very beginning, my mum had sent him to live with her friend and I'd stayed with my mother. She had to swap us over because he pined and I was okay without her. So we were just different types of children. I think I was really quite strong even as a small character my mother said I was the kid upside down in the pram screaming and jumping and going and David was much more reserved and quiet like my mum so maybe somewhere in there I've got some of my dad's genes but I didn't know him overly well but maybe I got a little bit more of him when you were seven you discovered dancing how did you find that calling was there a moment Well, first of all, I wanted to be in everything, singing, dancing, tennis, chess. And then one day I was the girl guides and we were doing CPR on these dummies, which was just disastrous for me. But anyway, and I heard this music and the music was um, Moon River. I could hear it coming from somewhere. I thought, where's that music coming from? So I followed the music and it was in another church hall just a little bit down the corridor and it had a door with a round window on. I pulled myself up and I saw all these people moving to music. I didn't know what it was they were doing at the time. I opened the door and this man called Vic Knox came over and he goes, can I help you? I said, you can do children's classes in this? And he said, yes, we start Saturday. What is it about dancing? I think as a child, I was quite bossy. If I I think that's the first time I've ever said that, but I think I was quite... uh, bossy and I knew if I sat back there was nowhere to go whether it was defending yourself I remember Mm. getting beaten up at school and Mm. having my hair pulled out and I thought you know I'm gonna have to be have a tough shell if I'm going to exist here and I think with the dancing I just fell in love with the music first and then when I went to the first dance class and learned the waltz and learned the cha-cha-cha they did medal tests about every three months and I had to hit 98% I wanted to get highly commended on these reports, even in the dancing. Did you ever go to the sweet shop on the way home? I did, once or twice. (laughs) One or two of those little sweeties might have fell in my bag by accident, but never mind. (laughs) Nobody had any money for sweets. Oh, my God. Do you know what I'm saying? This is is an absolute revelation. (laughs) All the kids back then on that housing estate, you know, they were all trying to get a few sweets. The old five-fingered discount. What was it called? The little lemon sherbets and oh, the lovely, and the yeah. rhubarb and custard little hard sweets, you know. I mean, just one or two. Because they'd add them in like little, you know, them little things where yeah. you go in and you put the scoop in. Where do you stand on licorice? If I could sit in a tub of licorice and bathe, I would. <laughs> I wasn't I expecting that. love licorice. And it helps you go to the bathroom if you have it at night with coffee. <laughs> 
just saying. Oh, Lord. I've complete, I have lost it's control true. of this interview. It's true. Licorice is another one to go. Is it really? Oh, soft licorice, hard licorice, round licorice, long licorice. I don't care as long as it's licorice. I've never had advice on my bowels on comfort <laughs> eating. And, and the show has been a lot poorer for it. When you were 15, you leave home and you begin competing with a new dance partner, Nigel Tiffany, who's already the British ballroom dance champion. And within a year, you're engaged. Now, it sounds so exciting on paper. You're living your dream. You're falling in love. You're dancing in big competitions. But you were still so young. It all happened so fast. Suddenly, a whole new life away from home and your family. How did you find that? Somehow we'd run into difficulty with his mum and dad because there's this love affair going on under her roof. And one or two things happened. You know, I remember going to Filey when I was about 16. He was four years older than me. And off we go to Filey to do a dance competition. We fell in love. Am I allowed to say that? Absolutely. So him and I, you know, took the bit, the bullet, as they said, yeah. we were quite intimate with each other. And when we came home and his mum unpacked his bag, there was the packet of Jorex right there oh, in the bag. Lord. And from she just stood there as the two of us stood there staring at us. She was mortified, disgusted, this, that, and the other. I'm going to tell you, mother, you are this, you are that. Every Some strange names I'd never heard for myself, actually. And anyway, <laughs> that weekend when I went to see my mother, I told my mother. Yeah. And my mother turned to me and she said, did you take precautions, love? And I said, yes. And she said, well, then you're okay then. And that was the end of that with my mother. Of course sparks are gonna go off a bit you're madly in love we were gonna get married we planned what, our life what was his mother like with you after that very strict she was a strict mum. she kind of ruled the roost she had four kids i understand that but she gave me a start and then after that all hit the fan i said to nigel i'm moving to london so i was barely 17 and moving to london we moved to george street in croydon we had our own self-contained flat i got down there i had to find a job underqualified Terrible spelling in an office with four other very experienced secretaries. I mean, what, what are your secretarial skill, skills? Well, like? I did all the filing when it was an emergency. I couldn't find where I filed anything. And I remember when I, was, I wrote a letter once and where and where I had got missed the H out wherever. Yeah. And, of course, it was in the big chair and I'm taking down my shorthand. And his partner came and he goes, oh, my God, your secretary can't even spell. I said, well, if you correct it. I'll I'll do it. I'll retype it. So it was, I got £60 a week in that job. You are a hustler, job. aren't you? £60 you, pounds a week. I was I, able to keep myself, take care of myself. But are you dancing in the big leagues now? Oh, we were just amateurs. We weren't doing anything great. It was six months after I moved to London. I got a call from my dance teacher. I'm typing away on this golf ball typewriter, typing away. And she called me on the phone and she said, you've got an opportunity to dance with Sammy Stopford. She said, I'm not saying you'll get the part, but I think you should do the tryout. She said, I know you're engaged. I know you live with Nigel. I know you want to get married. But if you want to have a very successful career, you're not going to make it in Latin with Nigel. Sammy Stopford. Sammy Stopford. I mean, he sounds sexy. So. <laughs> Even just the name. So I said to her, well, can I let you know tomorrow? She said, no, you've got an hour to make a decision. Mm. And if you decide to do it, do not tell Nigel. Well, I went home that night. Nigel was doing the ironing after work and I decided I'd tell Nigel I've got this opportunity to try out with Sammy Stockford. Latin is in my heart, even though, you know, we did ballroom together. 
And there was a big fight. He threw me out with all my plastic bags, black plastic bags. So you had to make a choice right there or then. I loved him dearly. In actual fact, I can honestly say, he's my financial advisor, Nigel, today. If anything happened to me, Nigel would take over everything in my life. That's how long we've been. We remain friends after, you know, we got over the split and everything. He was probably the right man for me at the wrong time. Yeah. The right man at the wrong time. And I love him dearly. He's so loved. But got this opportunity with Sammy, went for the tryout, black plastic bags in tow. He looked at me, goes, I don't know who you are. Shirley, what's your name again? I said, Shirley Rich. This poor broke, but anyway, my name is Shirley Rich. He said, well, I've, I know who you are, but sh- your teacher thinks that I should give you a chance for a tryout. He took one little go of my hand in a beautiful, beautiful, sensitive hold, a beautiful step back in rumba, and he goes, I don't know who you are, but I will take you. You feel like a Rolls Royce. Pack your bags up, you're coming to Manchester with me. And that's when I went off to Manchester. So I no now moved. No one's ever said that to me. So now I've moved from my grandma's house to the Liso flat, from the Liso flat to the Liso house, from the Liso house to Shipley in Yorkshire, from Shipley in Yorkshire to London. Short space of time there, London, back to Manchester, and I'm barely 17 and a half. Let me ask you one thing about about Latin American and ballroom dancing. It feels as if they're two very different things. Is it a bit like West Side Story and you've got to pick your dance crew? And is it like cliques? You're either Latin or you're ballroom or can you do both? You you can do both. And I chose to do both. So I was knowledgeable in both Mm. with not realizing at the time that when you get older like this, I can teach ballroom or Latin. Okay. Um, and I loved the ballroom. My journey with Nigel, we were in the semi-final of the ballroom and maybe the second round of the Latin. I got an education from the ballroom that really helped me in the Latin. Yeah. But when I went with Sammy Stopford, he was Latin, seventh as a professional, just outside the final. And that's when I turned professional and did it as a living. And I have to say, I went into my job and I said, I've got this opportunity I know you require three months' notice. He went, take the opportunity, darling. You go, you do your dancing. At the time, I thought, what a good man. Years later, I thought, in his mind, he was saying, bloody awful secretary, that Shirley Rich. (laughs) Just want someone that can spell. (laughs) Forever grateful for him for giving me that job, though. With Sammy, things click, and you quickly went on. You win your first major title at 18. Meteoric rise. Never been seen in the industry since. After a couple of years... You and Sammy decide to get married. We got married. We did. That's what everybody did back then. Alan and Hazel Fletcher, Espen and Shushton Solberg, Sammy and Shirley Stopford, the non-stop Stopfords, they called us. <laughs> did you just refer to yourself as the non-stop Stopfords? That's right. That's <laughs> what they it. put us in the press as in the dance news. You know, we have our own press. Front page. I want you to answer me something that I often think about. So you've had two of these dance partners you've passionately fallen in love with i have fallen in love with you if you sit there long enough that's the kind of person i am (laughs) in strictly come dancing it's also had its share of people getting together Mm -hmm. what i'm too i'm frightened to do strictly come dancing don't be darling what a passionate run that would be i know but i think that i would literally crash my own life into 
in, in, into a tree by falling in love with my dancer within about two weeks. Well, Even if he was like 22 and lived on the other side of the world normally, that's what worries me. You're in this like intimate relationship of rumbering, you know, dancing sensually with each other and your yeah. bodies moving close to one another and sensitivity and touch on the neck and down the body. And it's like, I can't expect, it's like euphoria. It's, it's, it's just a different place. The sweat pouring from underneath your ears and down the back of your back to the point where your feet are so sore because you've been dancing all day and one rubs the other one's feet. You know, it's just the whole thing is what it is. You, you know what I mean? never let a man give you a foot rub <laughs> because nothing good is going to come from that. <laughs> If he is not your actual partner, that is a rule in life that I have. <laughs> Thank you very much. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Grace Dent here. One more thing. If you love comfort eating, then you'll love my new book, Comfort Eating, what we eat when no one's looking. It's available on October the 5th and to pre-order now. There's an e-book and an audiobook if you want me to read it to you with chapter headings like why butter makes everything better and why potatoes are proof of a higher power. How can you resist? Comfort eating is packed with funny, moving stories about my family and my childhood as well as recipes and stories about recording the show. And over October... I'll be out on book tour right across the country. If you're in London on October the 9th, I'm at the Islington Assembly Hall talking with Katie Wicks from Ghosts. And on the 11th of October, I'm at the Contact Theatre in Manchester in conversation with MasterChef's Jimmy Famuera. For tickets UK-wide, check out my social media. And for London and Manchester, go to theguardian.com forward slash comfort eating live. I'll see you there. In 1980, you and Sammy get married. What do two champion Latin dancers serve at their wedding buffet? We had a very simple wedding. My mum bought my dress. It was beautiful. And my dad didn't come, but that's okay. My brother gave me away. And we had a buffet in the studio. We had sandwiches and we had sausage on sticks and we had pineapple and, and cheese and, and coleslaw and we had all those cold foods all around the mm. table and everybody just had a ball. I remember I did my own hair, my own makeup. Um, that was, um, yeah. Were it, you happy? What is happy? 
I don't want to sit here and say I was happy. It's what you did. Did you want to get married? I always fancied the idea of getting married. And let me tell you, I really, I want to say that I really did care about Sammy a lot, Mm -hmm. but we never dated. We never went out. We had one holiday in the whole time we were there. We worked ourselves to death trying to get this result. And I don't think there was a lot of room for who are you now? What do you really like to do? What are your passions? He was very, very into his football and different things that he was doing. And And you're young. Young. I want to go out and party. And it was difficult. You're young. You've got a husband. You're winning prizes. You're dancing. We won the British Open Championships at age 22. That was unheard of. You know, this kid that come from the 96 of the amateur and suddenly has had this journey already at 22. I'm standing there on the Winter Gardens floor, Blackpool, holding that trophy and realizing to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. But then everything changed. In 1983, you meet the man with whom you'd go on to win countless dance titles all over the world. Yes. Who became your second husband of over 20 years and father to your son, Mark. Tell me about the first moment you lock eyes with the dashing Texan, Corky Ballas. I met Corky Ballas in Canada at a championship. And Sammy and I flew over there to do this championship in Montreal, Canada. We did the professional Latin, we won. And then this young man came over, same age as me, but he had these bottle-rimmed glasses on. He was really short-sighted. Bottle-rimmed glasses on. And he walked over and he goes, I'd like you to come to Houston, Texas. He said, and teach me how to dance with my partner. I'm a pro-am at a dancer, which is what we see on Strictly, that's pro-am. And I'd really love you to come and teach me to dance. And then Sammy had all these stipulations. Well, we need a guarantee. We need this. We need that. We need this. Don't worry. Whatever you want, whether you work or not, you'll get your check. That's all Sammy wanted to hear. So, February was when we went to Montreal and March was when we went to Texas to teach Corky. Hang on, how's Corky paying for all this? Because his father invented the weed eater, the strimmer that cuts the weeds from around the trees. You know that thing with the wire? What? His father invented that. The weed whacker, it was originally (sighs) called. That's the family I I married into, the weed eater family. So Corky's got money. They had plenty of it, put it that way. I mean, this is, you're not in Merseyside anymore, are you? So off we go. We arrive in Houston, Texas. We get off the plane and there is a helicopter waiting for us. So we get in the helicopter. We land on the top of his dad's hotel, which is the West Chase Hilton. And then from there, it will whisk around in this limousine everywhere. That's the kind of lifestyle they led. And the teaching went pretty well. We did very, very good. And in the middle of the week, Corky said, I'd like to take you both out for dinner. And Sammy said, I don't really do that. Stack me up a bunch of videos for me to watch, but take my wife. She'd really enjoy that. And that was that was the beginning of the end. So he took me. I met all his family, five brothers and sisters. His mum and dad were awesome. His mother was a flamenco dancer. His dad was an entrepreneur. The brothers and sisters was all family, which I didn't really have other than my mum and, and my brother. And you go out to a restaurant or We something? go out to a restaurant. I still remember it. He pulls up outside the West Chase Hilton in his Mercedes Benz. And then he went to give me a kiss. And I said, no, I'm, I'm married. I'm so sorry. Did you fancy him? He was very good looking. Very good looking. And he said, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, but if you accept my invitation at the end of the week, I would like to be able to kiss you. And that's how it started. That's how, now that was passionate. That was with, it was just, a, you know, do I regret to hurt Sammy? But I was young. What do you know when you're 17? Even when you're 22, what do you know? And But you hadn't had 
a proper... I didn't have any passion. passion. I didn't have yeah. a passionate relationship. Although I had a relationship that taught me about the industry and I knew that if I stayed married to Sammy, he would never hurt me. He would always be there for me. But I felt there was something missing and that's why I left. Nineteen eighty-five, Houston, with a family who've got more money than God. It sounds. Was the food amazing at their house? Were they were they eating incredible oh. things? Were, um, Let's relive that, shall we? So they had a big round table with a lazy Susan in the middle, and mm. um, my father-in-law had chefs and cooks. They didn't cook; other people cooked, and they'd bring all sorts of food out there. You know, there was always some sort of really fresh potato dish with best butter and corn on the cobs. And, you know, he was Greek, my father-in-law, and my mother-in-law was Mexican. So you always had all these kind of comfort foods. You know, I just yeah. got, went bigger and bigger and bigger over the time there. But yeah, um, their spread for dinner every was night. amazing. It's every night. Every night, whether one person turned up or 10 of us turned up. So staff at the same time every night, there's a room and it's just laden just with food. laden with food, all swiveling round on that lazy Susan. But it does sound like Dallas. You know, the, the, I mean, with Larry, with Larry Hagman. Yeah. It sounds like, to me, it feels as if you're painting a picture of like, you know, 1985, Houston, the big house, the drama. We got married in a beautiful church, the dress, the flowers, the... Real doves, the ice sculptors, uh, she had it all. I think we had probably 400 guests. It was really, really lavish. Were you happy on that day? What is happy? You know, because I, because after three months in Houston, Texas, I called Sammy to say, I'm missing you. I want to come back. I want to carry on dancing. Yeah. And he basically said, no, you'll be nothing but a wallflower. You made your choice. And then I called my mother and she said, well, I guess you made your bed. You better lie in it. It was a lovely bed, though. Yeah. Lovely with so lovely, I thought, lovely okay, fresh sheets. I'm going to change every day, by the way, all <sighs> monogrammed. Uh, I said to Corky, well, I guess I'm going to have to teach you to be a professional dancer. So we came back probably around 84, 85. So it was from starting from scratch mm. for me. And yeah. that's when I learned the most. And in 1995, we were first and Sammy was second. Took me that long from 83 to 95 to win again. When you're training for competitions around this point what do you eat then you know on a, on a daily basis I mean are you eating do you eat a lot of protein like athletes or I didn't know much about what to put in your body back then you know I I wasn't so conscious I just knew that you know you couldn't eat too much mashed potato and you couldn't eat bread I tried to do that and cut down on the carbs you know yeah um, when I got pregnant I just went bananas I gained all my baby weight in the first three months what on uh, Shipley's donuts and milk and I got so heavy and my husband Corky at the time had a problem with being heavy so he took my donuts and he cut all the chocolate icing off the top and then he put a big black roach in and then he put the icing back on the thing so as I'm watching tv and I pick it up and I crunch it I crunch the legs of the roach oh I've never God. eaten a donut ever since that day so all my life I've been around people that have told me you know, you're too heavy mm. or, you know, just different partners who would say you're going to look like that person. Very judging. Putting a the industry was in a very. Donut, though. That's just. How about crunching one, babes? Is everybody in that scene 
as judgmental about weight? Is it just the way that people are? Do, do you talk about it a lot? I've seen a change over the last 12 to 18 months. People are letting people, if they're curvy, mm. that they're not so um, attacking. But in my day, it was lethal. Mm. It was lethal. You had to be stick thin. You had to, you know, to get in your Latin dress. And one woman said to me, you know, if your legs wobble, put a pair of fishnets on because we don't want to watch it. But it does and has left me with this, like, I don't know, sense of not liking to look in the mirror at myself unless I'm a certain, you know, weight or what have you. Because of things that you can remember. All the way from a small child, all the way from a small child. You know, I always seemed to be the kid that had a... I like to eat and love my snacks. And maybe I was just a little bit heavier than some of the other kids, you know. But when I think about that little girl, you know, turning up in the summer because she wants she wants rice pudding, she wants these semolina. semolina. It feels like you had two choices. There was dancing success and there was food. And you chose that success, didn't you? So I did. Is hunger, is it just this constant companion? It's a state of mind hunger for me. I can't talk about anybody else out there and to each his own. I want to make that clear to anybody listening. And my phobias and my fears and and um, yeah. my self-loathing of how I look or whatever is years and years and years of just different things in my industry where people have said things or compared me or, you know, against different dancers and they are my own hangups. I, I, I hope that the people listening will have a much better feeling about how they look because what I've learned over the years is everybody is beautiful as long as you feel comfortable in your own skin. And at 62, I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but I am getting there. In 96, you retire from competing. You become a coach and a competition judge. You've had your son, Mark. Life, it's chaotic. It feels like busy and things looking up. And then in 2002, something incredibly sad happens. You unexpectedly lose your brother, David. Took his own life, aged 44. And the two of you had been so close growing up. It must have just been this incredibly devastating time. How do you think you coped? I remember being busy, 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 and my mum went up north to take care of David for six weeks. My mum's not an over-expressive person, so she didn't really tell me how poorly he was. Mm. And uh, and then there's just one particular day. I said, come on, Dave, come down to London. Mark's singing in the church. Come with mum. He said, no, but you go, mum, you go. And that was the day he took his own life. And I think it made me feel selfish. It made me feel like I didn't listen. It made made me feel like I was self-absorbed. Because of that specific day? Because I just didn't take a breath to move myself aside and see how you're doing or check in with how you're doing. My husband and I were successfully, you know, we were trying to move up and get a better house and get a better this and get a better that. And um, and when he went, nothing meant anything. So that is why I've moved so many times. I'm not attached to anything. Mm. If you tell me to sell this tomorrow, I'm good. Got my bag on my back. I'm off. 
You come in with nothing and you are going with nothing. But they say no luggage rack on the end, no pockets in the coffin. In 2017, after many years as a top competitor and coach, you do get the biggest gig in showbiz. The BBC appoint you as the new head judge for Strictly Come Dancing, one of the biggest shows on telly. In dance terms, it's a bit like being elected prime minister. Take us back to that exact moment when you get the call. I was in the studio in Van Nuys in the United States and California. And, you know, I hadn't done a great interview and what have you. So I didn't think at all with no TV experience. Never thought in the memory of man I would ever get a job like that. And when I got that call, I saw it came in as the BBC on my phone and picked up a FaceTime call with a lady called Louise Rainbow. And she said, we would like to offer you the job. Oh my gosh, I'm getting all emotional now thinking yeah. about it. And I dropped to my knees and I thought, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. It was like, I was just in sheer shock. It was my destiny, I think. First person I call, of course, is my son. Picks up the FaceTime call. He goes, you got that job, didn't you, mom? I said, I did. That was a moment in time that I can forever go back to that memory and see myself getting that job. So anybody listening, never give up on your dreams or ever think you're worthless or you can't get to where you need to yeah. go, you know. Now, a show like Strictly, I'm reckoning that the catering is pretty good. What's the food like backstage? Very good for everybody else. <laughs> I don't do catering. <laughs> I do. Have you ever seen the food at Strictly? Surely. <laughs> I have seen the food at Strictly. I like to walk around the table because they have lots of yummy cakes and sweets and biscuits. And they have all sorts of fantastic food. But it definitely is calorie food because obviously the dancers are dancing all day. And of course, they're young with fabulous bodies. Nope, I get my chicken from Marks and Spencer's of Sainsbury's. It's been cooked. They bring me a lot of salad. And we might have a little bit of sushi in the afternoon. Okay, perhaps. this chicken... Has it got a marinade of any type or is it just no, plain No, just lemon chicken. And then I cut it, but it's hot <laughs> yeah. and it's just been baked. Okay. Oh, it's a hot chicken and it's just been baked. And that's what I have on Strictly. And it, I've had that every year, every week for six years. So everybody else is walking around with plates of food. They're all, I mean, I'm Macaroni back, and cheese. I'm backstage in TV and Yummy I know that chips. people are walking past with those polystyrene cartons full of stuff. I know that you don't eat these things, but if you were to steal any of this food, which one would you not be able to resist? Macaroni and cheese, fresh mashed potatoes, anything with a gravy on it, rice with lots of fried chicken. Yeah, anything. <laughs> anything I'm not fussy, as long as it's not spiced. I, the only thing I don't do is eat spice. Some listeners may be surprised to hear that you are now moonlighting as a romance novelist. Your debut rather sexy crime novel, Murder on the Dance Floor, is out this October. It's all based around the competitive dance world. Now, I think anyone who follows Strictly or has eyes knows that dancing can be a very erotic art form. So what I'm dying to know is, how many of these plot lines have you actually stolen from Strictly Come Dancing. It's fiction. It's a fiction book with stories in it, sex, lies, intrigue, backstabbing, bed hopping, just 
a wondrous world of what goes on behind the scenes. I'm not saying which behind the scenes. So Shirley's, it's either things Shirley's, I've been part Shirley's of. Shirley's obviously a politician here. She seems to be avoiding it's, the subject. It's either of, things I've been a part of or things I've seen. You as a listener will have to guess when you read the book. But it is if, pretty real to life, I would say. Does all of the sex take part in Blackpool? Some of it takes part in Whitby, darling. <laughs> in the closet <laughs> before we even get to Blackpool. And then they go on and fix their knickers and they go do their cha-cha-cha. You cannot have sex just before going onto the competitive dance floor. Do. Not in those naive, tiny naive. little very pants. No. Yes. <laughs> Look, there's so many things I want to say here. <laughs> and I know that none of it's going to make the edit, but all I'm... Surely there would have to be, you'd have to have a shower though, wouldn't you? You couldn't go, you couldn't go out like. Bunny, just, some of these stories are from like the teenage years, you know, back then, you know, a bit quick whip to the book, book bip, bip, bam, 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 get that into book, all in place, a little bit of a shimmy. Uh, yeah, darling, it goes on. As long as I live, I will never forget the last five seconds of watching <laughs> you do that. <laughs> there was everything. There was, there was like, there was a boob reverberation. <laughs> A and there pull was of the knicker elastic to make sure your miming, panties are straight. The miming of putting your pants back on <laughs> after you've had sex in, as we've established, Whitby of all places. Anyway, <clears throat> we need to wrap up. You are about to become a grandmother for the first time. A glamma. A glamma. Your son Mark is himself a professional dancer. He's becoming a dad. Now, if you want to ask me what's happy, that boy makes me happy. Aww. So when he calls me and he's having a great day. I feel this exhilarance that runs up my spine and I'm like, wow. And when he's having an off day, it puts my day off and I'm sure the listeners can mm. associate with that. Happy is when your family is truly in a great mm. place. I know people are going to say you should be happy with yourself. It's ongoing, you know, we, we all are different. But I love talking to him. He makes me laugh. He's funny. He's strict. He's taking over the role of a parent sometimes with me. Uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful child. I'm so glad he's having his first baby. Will the new baby be eventually joining the Ballas Dancing Dynasty? I have a funny feeling that this child will be joining the music industry because they've released their new album and this child is jumping about in there and if she doesn't sing, it starts going about in her tummy and then when she sings, it calms down. So I think it's going to be a musician. If I put my hand, watch this space, I've got a funny feeling this child will be able to move but will be a singing musician. Shirley Ballas. This has been a wild ride. <laughs> Thank you so much for comfort eating with me. Thank you. I've enjoyed the comfort eating. Thank you to your <laughs> listeners. And remember, you know, you're all beautiful in your own skin and everybody has their own journey. Mm. Can I have some more cake now? <laughs> this episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Gabriella Jones. The executive producer is Lucy Greenwell. The music was written by Axel Kakutier. Mixing and sound design was by Solomon King. If you like comfort eating, then please go and leave us a review. And you can follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next week. This is The Guardian. Thank you.